Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, educating, empowering, and connecting Christians to stand on God's Word and Truth. A man who won't stand up for his own principles is not really a man at all. Get involved by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. You the truth. Now, here's the host of Stand Up For The Truth, Mike LeMay. Unashamed of the gospel and standing on the truth of God in the Bible. Good morning, Mike LeMay and David Fiorazzo, and we welcome you to another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. I hope wherever you're listening, it's a little warmer than it is up here. It's a biting northwest wind this morning, but uh, hey, we love it anyway. So, Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word over live radio worldwide. Uh, we are grateful, Lord, for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross where he took human form, and although he was sinless, he became sin on our behalf to satisfy your wrath against sin. We thank you that all you ask is that we believe in him, who he is, and what he accomplished in that cross. And you send us your spirit and your grace, which forgives us and, and refines us more into the image of him every day. So we thank you for that great gift, Lord. And may we hold your word and your name in highest regard this day. And may we glorify you in all we do and say, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, a little later this morning, we're going to get into how the redefining of Christianity in America continues to happen. We're going to look at that which calls itself Christianity in America, but seems to more and more becoming anything but biblical Christianity. We're going to look at a sad event at Luther Seminary to show just how far off the rails one denomination has fallen. And then we're going to look at a recent statement by the National Evangelical Association, which seems to support the LGBTQ movement in its rights for equality. But in our first segment, we're joined by a new guest. His name is Art Alley of the Timothy Plan. And we're going to talk about ways Christians can understand how the money they invest in corporations and stocks is being used to either glorify God or support those who oppose God. Art Alley, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Mike, I know you've got some questions for me, but could I ask you one first? You certainly may. Do you guys really wear that block of cheese on your head during football season? <laughs> I, I can only speak for myself, and the answer is no. You will never see. Okay. You will often see me with a block of cheese in my mouth, but never on top of my head. Oh, yeah. Well, that's... <laughs> and now let me ask you a question. You're down in Orlando. Do you at all feel guilty for having a high temperature of 71 today while we're up here with like zero? No, the way I look at that, God gave us free will. <laughs> my free choice was to get out of Cleveland, Ohio, and <laughs> to Florida 40 years ago because I don't like the cold weather, but thank God some people do. Well, we've already established one thing, Art. You're a lot smarter than the host of this show, so <laughs> right. thank you so much for joining us. Well, Art, you're our founder and president of the Timothy Plan, and it's the nation's leading biblically-based pro-life, pro-family mutual fund group. Tell us a little about when the uh, when the Timothy Plan was established, and what is your ongoing mission? Oh, man, how much time do we have? As much as um, you need. <laughs> in, uh, thanks. In a nutshell, uh, it's nice to hear that a leading, biblically responsible, and, and we really are today. But when we launched this, and we are about to celebrate our 25th anniversary, nobody was thinking in those terms. It was almost like church is church and business is business, and my investments, what does that have to do with my faith? 
so it really, uh, we got jammed through some keyholes in the early years, but God gave us this mission uh, of helping or allowing Christians to have access to a, a really quality uh, mutual fund family that would not compromise our biblical beliefs by investing funds in companies that are involved in pursuing an unholy agenda, for lack of a better way to do it. Uh, we haven't uh, veered from that commitment. Uh, it's what God gave us to do. We've done it, and we've proven uh, the my friends on Wall Street wrong. Because uh, when we launched this, they told me, you can't do that. You can't screen out companies and get good investment returns. And my response to them then is the same as my response to them now. Obedience trumps returns every time. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean we won't get competitive returns. And we do because we have outstanding money management firms manage our various uh portfolios and we have 13 different funds we don't manage them ourselves well we get pros to do it for us so we do our screening research we tell them what they cannot invest in for us no matter how good they like it uh, from an economic perspective but other than that they uh, are the ones that manage our portfolios and they've done a darn good job art your website is timothyplan.com i'm guessing that there are some scriptures that uh, you like to uh, go by i'm sure that's part of your uh, mission statement could you tell us about timothy plan and and uh, where you get that website and the name from? Well, the name, actually, when, when I got convicted to do this, I learned, I don't know if you guys are married or not, but you learn to go home and, and talk to your wife. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you've got a, a lot of scars over the years where you've ignored her advice, but God gives women a certain sense about things, and I've learned that. Uh, and she got excited about it, and I said, well, Bonnie, we've got to name it something, and she started uh, cruising through some of our studies in, in the Bible studies and all, and she hit on it. First Timothy 5.8 is a verse that says, if you don't provide for your family, those of your own household, you have denied the faith and be, uh, become worse than an unbeliever. Same chapter uh, of same book in verse 22, it says, avoid evil. And that just brought it together for us. But my favorite verse, now that you asked, uh, is in Second um, Corinthians uh, six seventeen, where the Lord says, "Come out from among them and be separate," mm. says the Lord. Mm. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. That is really our foundational verse, but uh, it is the Timothy plan. I love what you said about obedience trumping return. So here you are, this organization that has consciously chosen to obey God, but look at the positive effects he's brought. And, and I, I think sometimes, are, uh, and maybe I'm wrong in this, but Christians maybe fall into this false paradigm of, well, sure, I can support biblically friendly companies, but I'm not going to make any money. I, I've got to do it the world's way if I really want to watch my investment grow. Well, think about it. All of, in fact, uh, because of this, I wrote a, a biblical stewardship study course uh, because all of our training on handling money, which is the most central thing to everybody's life, all of how to handle that comes from the world, not the church. The church does not teach 
its, its people, the biblical principles, and that void is being filled by a couple of ministries out there. But we wrote a, a rock-solid nine-hour study course on biblical stewardship based on what God's Word says in all areas of how we handle money. So you're right on. The, we, we, we just do it the way we know, and that comes from the world, and we get in a mess because God's way is exactly opposite of the world's way. And, of course, that's because we know who the prince of this world is. Uh, but we are about to, in fact, I think it's up now. Uh, we have put that study guide on the Internet for free for anybody who wants to go through it. And if they come to our website, I think either we have or we will have by next week a link to that study course. No cost. Go through it at your own pace. Uh, but it is transformative because not, nothing I have any credit for. It's just simply what God's Word says about handling money. I mean, from foundational to debt to investing to giving to estate planning. And there's no Christian I know of that does their estate planning biblically. And then the final one is stewardship of the culture. And I'm thinking about this verse, uh, Romans 12, too. It says, do not conform to the world. Yeah. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Back to Second right. Corinthians six seventeen. I appreciate that verse talking about, in a way, sanctification, come out from among them and be separate. Well, a lot of people pay attention to what movies they go to at the theater, what clothes they oh, buy, man. what what stores they support, what where you get your groceries, what the corporate uh, what the corporations stand for, whether it's something biblical or what, who they donate to. So I like this idea. Why wouldn't we be concerned with uh, a company that uh, here can help us with our finances and investments that doesn't support some of these you know, godless uh, companies and causes out there? That is why we launched Timothy Plan. Uh, and the one thing uh, I might add to that is the only thing that irritates me, really irritates me, uh, is when people do things in the name of Christ in a sloppy or haphazard manner. If you're going to use his name, it should be the best. So our commitment from day one was not to wear a fish on our shirt sleeve and say, come on and invest with Timothy Plan. We won't do this and this and this. We've got to uh, uh, provide a superior product in over 25 years. We have done that. don't have to invest in those companies to do well in the market. Mm -hmm. Aren't most of us, if we watch commercials on television, and we're seeing more and more of this, companies that you kind of see the homosexual marriage agenda being slipped in, you'll see gay couples and things. But most of us, that's all we really know about these companies. Um, I cannot imagine how much work it must be for you and your organization to really go with a fine-tooth comb through financial statements, uh, perhaps board meetings. What is the process of determining if a large corporation like uh, Apple, IBM, General Motors, whomever, is biblically friendly or an antagonist towards, towards God and his word? Well, yeah, well, it's important to, to understand, Mike. We are a biblically responsible mutual fund family, and the first thing to understand is the Bible is very clear. There is none righteous, not one, and companies are run by people. Uh, so where we draw the line is, not companies that are passively unrighteous, that's all of them. But the ones that are actively pursuing an unholy agenda are the ones we will not own. And we communicate with them and say, why are you guys doing this? Uh, we have a team of five full-time people 
that do nothing but research in all kinds of uh, channels and forms from 990s to, you know, uh, these companies don't put in their advertising, you know, I fund abortion. Uh, they don't do that. So we've got to really dig. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will not own companies that are involved in abortion or pornography uh, or active promotion of the homosexual agenda. We're not homophobes down here. Uh, but if a, a company is funding uh, an aggressive uh, uh, homosexual uh, organization that is jamming uh, their agenda down our throats, we will not own that company, uh, but companies that have same-sex health benefits, I mean, that's a fairness issue, and we don't screen out that. Uh, but that is the biggest thing. When we launched, abortion was the lightning rod. Today, it's the homosexual agenda, mm-hmm. for sure. And anti-family entertainment. You, man, you mentioned movies. We will not own companies uh, that are the big sponsors of, of the real trash on television or, or producers mm-hmm. of movies that are out there conditioning the way we think because if you watch that stuff it is going to uh, infect how you think uh, no matter how strong you are so the best uh, uh, course of action avoid it Hmm. Uh, just like we avoid only the companies that bring it to you so art uh, i want to talk about biblical generosity for a minute that's really what we're talking about in investing taking care of your family being able to have enough for you but also to invest in kingdom purposes Uh, with uh, individual giving to christian nonprofits and churches uh, what do you think about the new tax law will will it have a significant effect on giving how what do you know about that? Well, I don't know a lot about that, Mike. Uh, I have opinions, uh, and like my wife says, I am frequently wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but uh, it, it's just hard. Uh, a bigger factor than the tax law, and it probably will will uh, reduce giving to a degree, is because of our lack of biblical understanding of giving, and that's why this. This biblical stewardship course, when you get to module four and giving, uh, people that go through that in that group, uh, I would say will have zero impact on their giving, no matter what the tax law. If they take away the deduction entirely, it would not impact their giving because they're going to be acting biblically, not carnally and worldly. Hmm. Uh, So I don't know. It, It probably is going to impact it some. Uh, but for the people that really get it and are sold out, uh, it's not going to impact. It doesn't impact me at all. Oh, praise God. Uh, I like the tax deduction. <laughs> if I lose it, uh, it's not going to impact the way I give. I mean, yeah. it costs money. Yes. You know? I think that's the attitude we should have. If, if the tax break is there, praise God, but give as the Holy Spirit leads us uh, to, Amen. to people who support God's work. <clears throat> Excuse me, Art. I know I'm asking a question here that's going to be difficult to put a number on, but just as a rough estimate, out of every 100 companies that Christians can buy stock in or, or invest in, what percentage of them do you think are remaining true uh, uh, to to not giving in to promoting uh, the negative stuff of the world? I can't answer based on the – well, I could, I guess, percentage-wise, but in a more macro answer to that question, there are about – 8,000 publicly traded companies that are money managers in the universe that are big enough to invest in, 8,000. We screen out uh, uh, just under 800 of them. 
So that leaves 90% of the universe for our money managers to replace companies that we will not invest in. And uh, something people really don't realize is uh, uh, all these major indexes, for example, the S&P 500 is comprised of 500 companies, but about six companies uh, represent 75% of the performance of the index. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not a broad economic thing, and that's the the fang companies, you know, the the Facebook, the Amazon, the uh, Apple's not in there, but Apple, Netflix, uh, we uh, every one of those companies we will not own because of their corporate uh, uh, funding of an unholy agenda. Uh, but when those companies are doing well, we may trail the indexes. And we may trail the other uh, funds that follow the indexes lockstep, but we're still going to deliver a competitive return without owning those. And when those companies crash and burn, which they eventually will, uh, then we look uh, you know, real good when people compare us. But fact is, uh, you do not have to do it the way the world does it. You do not have to invest in companies that violate your core beliefs. Amen. You should not do that, but that's up to you. God gave us free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're here for those that really get convicted, and we have a couple of tools that they can uh, use for free just by calling us. Art, uh, we've got about th- we've got about three minutes left, and I'm wondering if you could okay. just speak to uh, people in the audience that maybe struggle with being generous givers. Uh, we know we know that, and and I completely agree with what your website says. God owns everything, but a lot of Christians really struggle with being generous. And for those people out there who might be saying right now, I just can't have this. I don't seem to be able to get this breakthrough in my life where I can generously give. What would you say to them? Uh, they, they've got to really uh, analyze their, their level of trust. Uh, you either trust God or you don't. Uh, I have challenged people. Uh, one guy, is a, just as an example, uh, is, is a man who has men's ministry for all 30 years I have known him. Uh, his total source of income comes from generosity of, of people that support his ministry. I call him one day. Uh, this was several years ago. I said, John, you know, how you doing? He says, I'm doing pretty good. I said, John, how much money do you have right now? He says, what do you mean? In my pocket and in the bank? I said, yeah. Uh, he says, I don't know, about $38.50. Total. That's all he had. I said, you going to church on Sunday? Yeah. I says, I want to challenge you to do something, John. Uh, put it all in the collection plate, all of it. He says, all of it? Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, he ministers to men. But I said, just try that. He called me back Monday morning. He says, you know what? You're not going to believe this. I did that. And after the service, some fella came up to me, handed me an envelope. I hardly know him. And he says, I believe God just told me to give you this to support your ministry. And there was a check for $4,000. Wow. We don't trust God is the bottom line. Uh, That's not judgmental or anything. That really is the core issue. And to solve that, I would really commend 
the listeners to go through our biblical stewardship study course. It is fun. It is friendly to go through. You do it at your own pace and uh, go through the whole thing. You don't get to giving until module four because you're not ready for it. But you cannot go through that course and not be totally transformed in your attitude about handling God's money. Oh, that is. It sets you free. It really does. It, it does. And as Jesus said, you cannot worship money and God. You're going to love one and hate the other. And that's available. We're going to uh, post uh, that on our podcast at timothyplan.com. And we'll see if we can get the exact biblical stewardship plan and uh, post a link to that, too. Art, it's been a Well, pl- I think there's going to be a link on the website for it. It'll take you right to it. Okay. Well, I, you know. I'll I'll assume for people like me who don't know how to navigate social media real well, we'll make it as easy as we can. Hey, Art, before we cut you loose, just uh, ask Dave. Just ask Dave. There you go. Before we cut you loose, now we we this is the first time we talked. Would you do me one favor? Would would you just maybe send a warm front our way here that just lasts till about April? You know, just give us a little of that Florida weather till about April. Well, I can't do that, but they have these newfangled things called aeroplanes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never heard of them. <laughs> You can jump on one of them and come down and experience for yourself. <laughs> I might just have to. Of course, what do I do? We're doing the opposite this year. My wife and I, for our 25th anniversary, she wants to take an Alaskan cruise. I'm like, isn't it cold enough in Wisconsin without going to Alaska? But uh, so be it. So, Art, it's been yeah, it's an a honor. a cruise. We've oh, done that. Yeah. Good for you. Hey, it's been an honor talking to you and a joy talking to you. I hope we can have you back on occasion uh, to talk about biblical generosity. May the Lord bless just you. Just love to do it, Mike. Love right. to do it. Thank you, Art. Okay. God Thanks. bless you. God bless. Art Alley, the timothyplan.com will post a link in there when we come back more shenanigans going on in american christianity if you want to contact us about any of the topics discussed today email your questions to comments at standupforthetruth.com stand up for the truth will continue in a moment if you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. Well, before we get into more shenanigans going on in American Christianity, we want to go to the Word of God, 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 7. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. People will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, Second Timothy three one seven. We turn our attention first uh, to a place called Luther Seminary in Minnesota. And I shouldn't be surprised when I see these things, but I guess uh, there's still a modicum of surprise in them, David. All right, this is called You Touch Me and Set Me on Fire. Student performs in drag at the ELCA's Luther Seminary Chapel in St. Paul, Minnesota. A student at Luther Seminary, which is stated to be the largest seminary of the apostate Evangelical Lutheran Church in America recently performed in drag in the Olson Campus Center Chapel as part of the annual lip-sync battle held at the location. The video of the performance has generated both applause and sorrow from viewers. Anders, Ander, yeah, Anders Nelson, uh, he's in the final year of studies and desires to enter into the ministry. He posted a video of his performance as Rhonda F. 
Plaza to social media December 10, writing, Here's Rhonda F. Plaza's debut performance at Luther's annual lip sync battle. I think she did Dolly Proud. Nelson, wearing a long blonde wig and very short pink dress, danced to the song Baby I'm Burnin' by Dolly Parton. Quote, Your eyes reflect love and desire. I see that you need me. I need you to please me. You touch me and set me on fire. The lyrics state, I cannot resist you. Each time I kiss you, then everything goes up in flames. End quote. During the second verse of the song, Nelson grabbed a fan to reflect the song's burning theme. Uh, shaking his hips, which drew laughter from the crowd, kicking up his legs into the air. He later made his way down through the pews to entertain some of those uh, present up close. One man in the front began to clap along as others laughed. The audience cheered at the end of the performance. Um, He said, needless to say, I had fun getting into drag for Luther Seminary's annual lip-sync battle. Rhonda F. Plaza made her debut, and I took home the trophy. While some commented under Nelson's video that the performance was awesome, amazing, and a powerful witness to God's goodness, abundance, and joy, others expressed sorrow over the condition of the ELCA, like this one, Lord have mercy, call all those in the ELCA to repentance and draw them back to you, for they have swayed from your word of truth and followed their flesh and their own wills. Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Nelson responded with the assertion that uh, commenting on strangers' posts doesn't seem to reflect on God's love too highly. I can assure you that the triune God is present here at Luther Seminary, he wrote. I can assure you that the, the amateur drag performances aren't the only thing happening here. We witness to the abundant grace and love of God through our studies and service. One Lutheran pastor, R. Daniel Carlson, then replied to Nelson with exhortation pointing to Deuteronomy 22.5, which states that it is an abomination to the Lord for a man to wear women's clothing. Do you presume to know more than God? Do you think the Lord has changed his mind, he asked. Be holy. Humble yourself before the Lord. Do not insult him by answering the liar's question, did God really say, with, no, he didn't, or at least he didn't mean it. Pursue holiness and godliness and do not follow the patterns of this world. It's the end of the article. So God bless that pastor who said these very uh, wise words, I believe, at the end. Uh, it's it's just sad. Uh, I find it ironic, David, you know, lip syncing, of course, is fake singing. Uh-huh. And lip sync is probably perfectly appropriate because the singing is about as phony as their professed faith. And and it's just, it, it it's really sad how you've seen this become more and more mainline <clears throat> in American Christian churches. And and just to, to dress and drag. And, you know, I can imagine the argument is, well, don't you know we're not under the law anymore? And again, it points back to a misunderstanding of the correlation between God's law and his grace that saves and sanctifies us. Nowhere are we told God's law is null and void or God's law is flawed or imperfect. Uh, it was established to show that man is sinful and could not be righteous in his own words and ways so the grace of God through Jesus Christ was needed. But, uh, you know, to call something like this a powerful witness to God's goodness, I, David, maybe I'm missing something, but can you see any remote way 
that doing this would point to the goodness of God? Now, am I missing something here? I, I think, no, you're not missing anything. I'm guessing uh, he's alluding to the Holy Spirit, uh, the gift of joy. One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. But taking joy in something that is ungodly or questionable, that's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I think he's confusing um, man's ha- or human happiness or joy with authentic joy of the Holy Ghost. Um, now, one thing I would say to those of us who are maybe listening or we're talking about this, who may look down our, our noses at uh, this l- seminary and this performance, um, what, is, what is the reason they're doing it? It's just entertainment. Hmm. And our entertainment choices need to be kept in check. We talked a little bit about that with our guest, Art Ally, in the first segment. You will reap what you sow. And it just takes a little, little leaven, just a little yeast. Um, yeah, we are to be separate from the world. These, it, it might have been funny, but is it, is it beneficial? Right, as Paul as is Paul it profitable? said, is it profitable? Is it beneficial? Is, is it acceptable? Is it good? Um, we can ask that about the TV shows we watch, the movies we partake of. We can uh, what we go to the theater, what we support with our money. Entertainment is it worth it? Watching six hours of football on a Sunday. Uh, we're we're looking at um, this one little performance at a Lutheran seminar. I'm not I'm not justifying it by any means. Mm-hmm. I'm saying they, they were crazy to do this. At a Lutheran seminary, um, but I'm saying that we can often laugh at certain things we ought not to be laughing at, probably if Jesus were sitting right next to us, but as we know, we have his Holy Spirit in us, so his presence is with us. He will never leave us, but it's about time maybe we start being more sensitive to the conviction of the Holy Spirit by what we allow in our own lives when it comes to entertainment. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned what would we do if Jesus was sitting next to us? He's in us. Amen. He's much more powerful than sitting next to us. His spirit is rebuking or testifying to our spirit uh, or rebuking our spirit on a regular basis. You know, David, as I I try to get my hands around this type of stuff, um, if we believe that a person's salvation is secure, in Jesus Christ, that we cannot lose our salvation. Let's just go with that for a minute. I'm trying to think of what the mindset of these people are. So number one, if if I if I sin today, if I whichever way I sin, I know God's grace is sufficient, but that sin should grieve me. And you know, for example, when you talked about entertainment, and I completely agree with you, we get so absorbed into entertainment these days, and and is the fruit good or bad? Now, watching a, a, a baseball game or, or taking a walk or, or whatever it might be, there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But the danger is how quickly something we enjoy can kind of slip over to being our God, isn't it? And I mean, you look at this community of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Everyone has been obsessed for the last two days over the fact that the Packers hired a new football coach. They did? Yeah, they hired a new football coach. But that's like, that's the story. And and so and I enjoy football. I really really enjoy football. But I have to even check myself when I'm watching a football or a baseball game. And it's always interesting, particularly baseball, because I'm a big baseball fan. The more I watch it, sometimes the more emotional I get involved. And I find myself sometimes maybe angry if my team loses or if there's. And boy, you've got to continually check yourself because, you know, again, setting aside can you lose your salvation or not. 
there is one thing the Bible is very clear about. Paul speaks of it, Jesus, Peter, James. The fruit we bear in life is a testimony to what we really love. Now, we're all going to sin and fall short of the glory of God, and we confess and repent, and of course, when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. But when you see a pattern in someone's life like this where they're taking something that God clearly called an abomination, and look at the lyrics that were sung, I mean, sexually explicit lyrics, you have to wonder at what point is the fruit so rotten that it can't be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And and that that's one of the things I struggle with here. It's just entertainment by itself is not bad, but boy, you get to a point where it pollutes you to a point where it you really have to question a person's professed faith in Christ. I am not playing devil's advocate here. Um, this happened at a Lutheran seminary, but it happens in people's living rooms who profess to be Christians all around the country watching primetime television shows that have much, much worse dialogue than these song lyrics. As you just said, they're profane. They're not godly. They are not, you know, uh, beneficial to the Christian ear and our spirits. But we justify these programs that have almost every primetime program has a gay or lesbian or now transgender characters, and it's normalized. Mm -hmm. They are either the hero or the victim. Never portrayed in a negative light. So this was just one thing that happened as wrong as this was at this because of where it happened at a Lutheran seminary. Yeah. But Christian, in your living room, what do you allow on your television? I don't mean to to beat this drum too much here this morning, but it's something we all deal with. I deal with it. We all deal with what what comes on our computer screens, what we allow on our televisions, and what movies we watch because. This is the normalizing um, subject of the day. Yeah. Our sexuality. It comes back to creation and the truth of God's word. Are we going to uphold that and live by that standard of male and female and holiness and marriage and family and procreation and everything else? Or are we going to conform subtly, very subtle now, gradually to the world and just, well, we can't watch many shows now because every show has uh, gay characters and homosexuality. So I may as well watch they, them. Exactly, yeah. but that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We do that. So we need to point a finger back at us, at our own hearts, and say, we better be a little bit more careful of what we watch, especially if you have kids and young kids in the house, and you are justifying watching these because, quote, there's nothing else on TV. Yeah. So you're going you're gonna to watch this trash that Hollywood puts out? So I'm sorry to get so passionate about this, but I guess this story brought up a very good subject. And what are our entertainment choices and would God approve of them and what we're putting into our hearts? Kind of tied into what Art Alley was talking about a little bit when we look at our, our pocketbooks. You know, if, if we could get a 3% return on buying stock in a company that upholds biblical values versus getting a 5% return in giving to a company that, that supports Planned Parenthood, which would we do? Now, we'd all say, well, we'll take the 3%, but would we? Would we? You know, the other thing, David, and, and I completely agree with you said you know, with what you said, and I have to always watch myself uh, to make sure what I'm watching isn't polluting my mind. Um, but the really sad thing about this is this is a seminary 
where pastors are being trained. <laughs> and I, I want to make a clear distinction here. This is the, EL, the ELCA, uh, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran and the Missouri Synod Lutheran. You don't hear this kind of stuff going on in there. It is the ELCA. They are off the reservation of biblical Christianity. They've been for a long time. But this has become normal in places where pastors are being trained. And you look at Fuller Theological Seminary, for example, for the longest time, it was held up as the gold standard. When Richard Mao took over there, he's now retired, they started teaching, well, the Bible isn't necessarily always true, and the stories in the Bible might be fictitious instead of truth. They have homosexual pastors, uh, or excuse me, homosexual teachers, teaching future pastors. Mm. So you know, the world keeps creeping in to American Christianity. Christianity, biblical Christianity, is called to be so uniquely set apart from the world that we should stick out like a sore thumb. Well, more and more, we look like any other finger on that hand. And and you're right. When we give in to our personal tastes of watching and enjoying this stuff, in a way, I think we're giving subtle approval of it. So it it's a battle that we, we, we're fighting an institution here in American Christianity that's getting worse, and it's, it's falling away more and more from God. Um, but even in our own personal lives, are we supporting the enemy by what we watch? Are we giving subtle approval uh, by what we watch, or are we drawing a line in the sand? Uh, it's, it's an important issue. I'm glad you brought it up from a personal level because you're right. We've all, we've all got those things in our lives that try to pull us away from keeping our eyes on God. And we can point, it's easy to point the finger. I mean, this is a, a very um, sensational story when you hear something like this and, and you know, a, a drag queen uh, lip sync thing with the lyrics he's singing at a, a, an evangelical seminary. But yeah, when you bring it home, it's like, well, what do we watch on TV and do we laugh at those punchlines on those god awful sitcoms on television? I can't remember the last time I watched. One, it's been years, but I've seen the commercials and, and you know what the shows are about. So am I saying no excuses? No, but I'm saying be prayerful at least yeah. about what you allow in your heart and in your spirit. Yeah, and you know, one thing, there's there's maybe two shows on television we watch anymore. A lot of what we watch we do turn on television are old episodes of Like the Rifleman. Where the word of, the word of God is actually quoted almost in every show of the, the rifleman. rifleman. Yeah, the black was, and white. Yeah, black and white. There was one where <laughs> before we go to break, uh, they just bought their place out. I think it's in New Mexico. They just bought their new home, and this these thugs came and burned their home to the ground. And Mark, the little boy, was like six at the time. Why did God let this happen? And Chuck Connors played his father, and he said, "Son, come here and sit down." And in three minutes, he took him through the Book of Job. You know, there was once this righteous man named Joel, wow. and this happened, and this And it was just like, if you saw that on television today, the ACLU and the Freedom for Religion Foundation would literally give birth to a cow. <laughs> so anyway, hey, when we come back, you've heard of the National Association of Evangelicals. It's the organized group of evangelicals. Well, somebody is just saying, somebody's saying they have sold out. Missed a recent show? Catch up anytime on our free app, q90fm.com slash app. Click on podcasts. Stand up for the truth. We'll continue in a moment. If you want more info on the topics of today's show, then visit standupforthetruth.com. Now, back to Mike LeMay. I have followed the uh, National Association of Evangelicals for a long time. It's it, it, 
uh, presents itself as the mouthpiece for evangelicals in America. It's been falling off the rails for some time. Well, there's an article here from World Net Daily where some people are saying, okay, the sellout has become official. The recent action by the boards of two organizations that have been nationally visible as representing conservative evangelicals is the great evangelical sellout for a number of critical reasons, not the least of which is wrongfully capitulating to one of the most deceptive straw men of modern cultural culture and politics. The National Association of Evangelicals and the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, CCCU, are supporting the inclusion of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression in federal civil rights protections, a patent rejection of biblical truths, moral law, and sound constitutional principles. As reported by World Magazine, CCCU and NAE have formally endorsed principles that would add sexual orientation and gender identity, or SOGI, S-O-G-I, to federal non-discrimination law. The U.S. Pastor Council, a growing interracial, interdenominational network of local pastor councils, was founded and grew from the flagship Houston Area Pastor Council, the team that led the defeat of lesbian former Mayor Anise Parker's pro-LGBTQ Equal Rights Ordinance in 2015. Well, they're calling out the NAE and the CCCU for this indefensible act and of, of actually yielding moral truth for perceived temporary protections. And if you remember back uh, with this uh, former mayor of Houston, uh, what she did, Anise Parker, was she signed on to legislation that would permit the government to subpoena sermons. Yeah. And basically to see if there's anything in there that was was discriminatory. Not dissimilar wow. to what the peer tried to do to churches here, because one of the things they said is any written documentation, anything written by a church is fair game. Wow. So sermons off websites, uh, written sermons and things like this. Praise God. Judge Atkinson saw right through it. The I want to talk about this equal rights for gender confused people for a minute. And I want to go back to the 1964 Civil Rights Act and Justice Thurgood Marshall, one of the uh, civil rights movement's greatest champions, and he was the first black uh, black American to serve on the Supreme Court, uh, he supported very clear legal guidelines as to who should be granted remedy for equal protection. So understand the law that all of this is based on is the 1964 Civil Rights Act. He and subsequent, Marshall and subsequent courts have determined whether a claimant qualifies as a, quote, suspect class defined on if the group falls into this, and I want you to hear these for a minute. They have to have an inherent trait. Now, what that means is I was born white. Nothing I can do to change that. Some people are born African-American or Asian or American Indian or Hispanic. Nothing you can do to change that. That's what's called an inherent trait. It has to have a trait that is highly visible. So I can look at some of my friends who are African-American. I can realize they're African-American. They can look at me and they realize I'm white. Um, as a class, they have been disadvantaged historically. Okay, that's certainly happened to African Americans for the longest time in this nation. And they have to be part of a group that has historically lacked effective representation in the political process. So this is kind of the bellwether that the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but the, the most critical one is that inherent trait. It has to be something basically you were born as. You're born as black, you're born as white, you're born as Hispanic, whatever. 
by its very nature, the transgender movement proves it's not inherent. Because you know what they say? Well, just because you were born a man doesn't mean you are a man. No, you're inherently born as a man or a woman, male or female. You elect to make a change, if you will, or to, to deny that identity. But the liberals have successfully slipped uh, gender confusion into this equal rights thing, and they've done it masterfully. You've got to tip your hand to them. Takes great marketing. Yeah. And you know what? I expect goofy government officials or the media or public education, which sold out to Satan a long time ago, to embrace this. But the National Association of Evangelicals, which presents themselves as the conservative mouthpiece, the mouthpiece for conservative evangelicals, they have basically said this, Caesar's right, that that transgender should have every right that anyone else has. Now, let's be realistic about this. They certainly, I have no problem with them being able to work, being able to provide for their family, being able to, to you know, rent apartments. That's fine. But what what's happening here as, and I wish I could explain this uh, uh, better over radio, You've got a government here through what has happened in Houston, what's happened here in De Pere, uh, what happened with Jack Phillips and everything else. You have a government here, folks, that is getting so large in scope and so power and money hungry. They are looking to get their tentacles into anything they can, including churches. They, they, they want to get at churches. They want to control churches. Human government... I understand God allowed human government. I get it. But every human government over time becomes corrupt and sinful. This nation started off under a form of government, a democratic republic, and its founding documents were based very much on the Bible and the law of Moses. Started off right, but in the last 50 years, it has become this bloated monster. It is money hungry, it is power hungry, and it is drunk with blood. And they are trying to impose on churches and Christian ministries secular righteousness that supersedes the righteousness of God and his word. So what the, when the National Association of Evangelicals, you know what they remind me of, Dave, is uh, if Neville Chamberlain rings a bell with you, he was the prime minister in England in the late 1930s. And as Hitler illegally annexed land and rose to power, Chamberlain kept just appeasing him appeasing, appeasing, appeasing until one day Hitler invaded Poland and crossed the line. And then, of course, Winston Churchill was elected and kicked the Nazis in their butt. But we have Neville Chamberlain Christianity going on in American Christianity these days. We keep appeasing the world, thinking we're going to make them happy. You have to understand Satan wants the church destroyed, Mm -hmm. and he's using government and media and public education to undermine it, to corrupt it, and we know the, the true church of Christ, the gates of hell, will not prevail against her. But when I see what's happening in American Christianity, I see a lot of churches giving in to Satan and not fighting. And so then you have to wonder if they're really part of the true church. And for the National Association of Evangelicals to jump on the transgender train, if you will, and basically say, we think the government's doing the right thing, shows either to me they've sold out to the government or an incredible lack of discernment as to what's going on. Because the next step, and it was tried in De Pere, it was tried in Houston, and one day it's going to be victorious. The next step is 
to mandate that churches do what the government tells them to do. And when the National Association of Evangelicals gives into things like this, they're basically saying, throw the church doors open and let Caesar come in and, and dictate what's going to be done. This wouldn't be as big of a threat or an issue if all they wanted was equal rights, and that's what they claim. But make no mistake, they want special rights, yeah. not equality. They want special rights and protections that would, out of necessity then, conflict with our religious freedoms, and that's what we've been fighting. But I like the way they end this, Mike. Uh, we therefore declare to all U.S. congressmen and women and all U.S. senators and to President Donald Trump that the CCCU and NAE do not speak for thousands of pastors and millions of congregants across America, and we urge you to reject the ill-conceived Fairness for All Act, as well as its LGBTQ-sponsored cousin, the Equality Act. And by the way, that's what, that was on Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi's agenda. Yeah. She admits she did a press conference about talking about how they're going to push the Equality Act. We don't have time to get into the details on that, but... Please look into that and understand what that is. It sounds good. They're brilliant wordsmiths. They give everything a wonderful name, justice, fairness, equality. Mm -hmm. But what it means is discrimination against those who disagree. And if it's a moral issue, a biblical issue, of course, Christians, out of necessity and believing the word of God, must disagree with that and not go along with it and approve it. So you're the enemy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we... Uh they do not speak for thousands of pastors and millions of congregants. I hope, I hope they're correct in that. Um, I think they are. I think there are thousands of pastors and millions of uh, born-again believers who go, no, this is just wrong. This is so anti-God in his word that we must oppose it. The question is, will we have the courage to, to oppose it? Or will we just, the, the track record of many churches has been to roll over mm -hmm. and just let the government have its way with them. But uh, uh, we will... Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, Carmen just came and said, thank you for making the effort to distinguish between Wells uh, and Lutheran uh, or, uh, Missouri Senate and the Social Club, ELCA. Uh, why does a group want to use the name Lutheran if they do not follow Luther? Why does a group want to use the name Christian when they do not follow Christ? Carmen, Good question. one of the great questions of our time. Yes. Uh, it, it's, you know, if you're going to call yourself a believer, and we're going to continue uh, tomorrow. We won't have time today, but we're going to continue tomorrow with this article of why Christianity is failing America, Carmen. And uh, the, the statistics from Barna on what self-professed born-again believers really believe are, are just earth-shattering. I, I mean, incomprehensible. Uh, Three-quarters of them not believing that the Word of God is true. Half of them believing Jesus sinned when he was on earth. I have more respect for an atheist who boldly proclaims I'm an atheist than somebody who says who I'm, that I'm a Christian, but I don't believe God's word and I don't believe anything in the Bible is true. So uh, I'll respect the atheist before I respect the fake Christian. So Carmen, thank you. And yes, we want to make that very clear. The, um, the ELCA uh, is not the Wells Lutheran Church. Uh, they are about as diametrically opposed to one another as you're going to find. When we come back, we wrap up today's show and tell you about our guest tomorrow. Have a question for Mike? Email him anytime at comments at standupforthetruth.com. We'll wrap up Stand Up For The Truth in a moment. We're getting ready to wrap up today's show. Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at standupforthetruth.com slash donate. 
Now, here's Mike LeMay. Fellow Christians, make no mistake, there's an increased hatred of God and His Word, uh, just like Paul warned in Second Thessalonians, as Jesus warned in the Olivet Discourse. There, we are seeing this great falling away from the faith happen, and an increased hatred of God and His Word in, in government, in, in media, in education. And they are out to shut you up as a Christian and as a pastor. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk with a man who's been through a few battles. His name is Aaron Marshall. He is an attorney and he's executive and chapter leader of Ratio Christi. And Ratio Christi, they're the regular guests here on the show. Uh, they do campus apologetics. They go on to college campuses and even high school campuses and they develop clubs that invite people in. They share the word of God with them and they help young Christians understand how to give a reasonable defense for our faith. Well, they've been, uh, there's been a systematic program to get them shut down on campuses around the country, and Aaron Marshall's been part of that battle. Excuse me, yeah, Aaron Marshall, and he's going to join us tomorrow. So uh, just continue to be diligent. Uh, understand, to win a battle, you must understand a battle. And, and please understand this, that every secular institution in this nation is being turned against God. Media, long gone. Public education, long gone government long gone and it, the more they grow in power those three institutions the greater threat uh to biblical christian churches in america when the supreme court not if when the supreme court rules in favor of a municipality or a state invading the church it's not going to be a pretty invasion it's going to be a mass takeover and this nation spiritually is going to look like china overnight you've got a whole bunch of state-sponsored churches and a select few underground churches that are remaining faithful to God. So be diligent. We owe it to our children. Uh, And yes, we know the Lord wins the battle, the war in the end. But in the meantime, we are to occupy and promote biblical righteousness whenever we can. And we cannot do that if our pulpits are silenced. For David Fiorazzo, Mike LeMay standing up for the truth. We'll join you in 23 hours with Aaron Marshall from Ratio Christi Ministries. In the meantime, be bold, strong, and unashamed of the gospel. The Lord your God is always with you.